Well, hello, good morning, good evening, wherever and whoever you are. This is the, I guess, the second episode of the Hot Takes podcast. I do like the name, so that's what we'll be calling it. So there was a lot of stuff that was actually announced at E3 this week, and that's primarily the things that have been going on. And the first thing I want to talk about is the uh, Xbox announcement. So for those of you who don't know, Microsoft announced Project Scarlet, formally announced Project Scarlet, and this is going to be the next generation Xbox, Xbox 2. I don't really know what you're going to call it. I don't really know what they're going to call it. Just because they went from Xbox to Xbox 360 to the Xbox One somehow maybe they'll call it xbox 720 but the interesting thing is that the new xbox there's going to be most likely two versions i think microsoft is probably not going to focus on our traditional view of what an xbox is as much as say sony will because Microsoft, I think Microsoft and Google and all these other uh, tech companies who aren't specifically focused on gaming are now trying to get in on uh, gaming for cloud streaming purposes. And Microsoft has xCloud, Google has uh, Stadia, both of which are, they're nascent, you know, they're, I don't think Stadia, Stadia was also just announced in terms of pricing, it isn't that grateful when I remember I'll talk about that later but uh, they're not really going to focus on the actual physical console itself because that's not really where the uh, money is per se I don't think because what they want to do is they definitely want to sell their cloud streaming services like Azure is their most popular their biggest money seller just probably it it's what allows them to make all these shitty decisions in terms of windows and in terms of everything else that's just how it is so with xcloud they're trying to compete with stadia they're trying to i believe they announced that they're using uh epic processors or they might even go the route of stacking xbox one or xbox two consoles and then having each of them as a specific, uh, y- you know, as a specific, you know, if you have one user, you could get an Xbox console in the cloud, something like that. I believe certain services, certain cloud services do that for MacBooks and etc. There, There's all different sorts of ways they can do this. Of course, the major issue with cloud gaming that people need to solve before is ever official is uh mainly the lag the input lag and especially for places that don't really have the connection and it's not just in you know rural alabama or whatever that people have terrible internet even in the united states like i feel like as a minimum you probably need to have say 15 megabytes consistent and not too many people have that if you think about it like the because not only that like now you're 
not just like if you're living in say a family like most of these I'm assuming the people who are buying xCloud like not initially but after the initial launch like the the casual like gamers real gamers not necessarily people who are solely involved invested in say technology but actual gamers who who play like some people live with their family and their family you know they're they're watching Netflix constantly playing other games and unfortunately most people don't really have the bandwidth for cloud streaming and I think this is going to be an issue that they need to solve in the future especially as more and more devices come onto these networks because there's going to be more and more smart home IOT sorts of stuff and that's going to clog it all up and eventually most homes probably won't be capable of cloud streaming who are in the market so that could be a really big issue in the future it's not really an issue currently but it's in the future of course like the US does not have the greatest internet infrastructure it's very unfortunate it, it's because of you know these duopolies if you don't know essentially a lot of these a lot of places in the U.S. that aren't, like, New Jersey isn't one of them, unfortunately. New Jersey is not one of them. But there's certain places that are, you know, not really as densely populated, not really that well known, that have just terrible infrastructure because there's a duopoly or there's a monopoly on the internet providers. So there's that issue, too, and that essentially means that you, you're... You're either getting some sort of terrible service or you're getting a service that with potentially great speeds, but you have a limit as to how much you can actually download. And both of these things are going to come into the pl into play if Stadia and xCloud are going to become popular in the future. Now, I don't think this will play for, like, say, one to two years. Two years, I one year is going to be the launch. They, they're probably going to launch it in holiday of 2020. That's what they announced, I believe, at... Uh, Microsoft's conference and Sony's probably gonna follow suit around holiday 2020 So the actual Like specs of the console probably aren't that important in the long run because I think Microsoft does not care about their uh, Physical console beyond they actually announced that you could use uh, your console as an X cloud server It's actually pretty interesting. I wonder if they could have some sort of say a distributed network of um, Xbox consoles. So for example, whenever you're not using it, your console could be in use for someone else and you would get compensated in terms of some sort of uh, Xbox Live Gold or some something like that. That could be a very interesting, like an idea of like a distributed network. Because unfortunately with these servers, there's some people just don't live next to them. and if you're too far away from a server, if you live in a country without servers, then that could be a really big problem. Having a sort of distributed network of Xboxes could actually be the key in terms of providing long-term support and just flexibility, stability in general for uh, for xCloud. So, I think... Uh, yeah. Hopefully you didn't hear that uh, notification, but I, I, I think that that xCloud is actually going to change a lot like how we 
perceived gaming because if you don't know cloud streaming for games had that it's been done already there's a company called uh on live i don't know if you remember this this is a while back there's a couple companies but I, th I think it was like on live but there's another company i remember i was playing this is back in uh 2013 2014 i was playing uh crisis 2 this crisis 2 streamed it was okay like I, w I was streaming crisis 2 for my like really shitty laptop using i think it was on live or gecko or something like that so what whichever one that sony bought and uh created playstation now with so it, it's not like cloud streaming has kind of been a thing for a while but we haven't really had the infrastructure to do it until now i think and i i think it could be big i think i don't know if we're going to ever replace traditional console just because say for example with fighting games right it, like if you're even remotely interested in fighting games you cannot have input delay at all like like if you're playing a fighting game that it's you need to have like f precise frame inputs like people don't even like playing wireless controllers on fighting games just because there's sometimes there's some sort of input delay or input lag of course with casual gamers casual gamers can play on xcloud or something like that but for the hardcore and like even mid-level gamers i think they're probably going to prefer a physical console instead of using cloud streaming of course as the technology progresses as we get further and further into the advancement i'm pretty sure we're going to negate or at least close the gap between traditional consoles and cloud streaming because I think the great, like, really the main benefit is that you can play on whatever, wherever and whenever you want. Like, you can, like, this effectively could kill the Switch, which is actually, like, I mean, Nintendo's always going to have great games. But kill the Switch as in, like, a lot of people buy the Switch for its portability, right? Like, people, you know, there's... People always want Switch ports, not necessarily because the Switch is the most powerful console, but because the Switch is portable, and there's no other uh, console on this market that is portable and that can offer the same advantages uh, as the Switch, other than the, uh, uh, what is it, the Smash Z that was just abandoned where until apparently, it, apparently it's trying to release in September, which is going to be interesting using a uh it's like a ryzen cpu those like 12 watts it's probably gonna be used for some basic indie games and stuff like that i i don't think it's gonna be very powerful but moving al along to the nintendo conference i i think i personally think nintendo won e3 and there's a lot of surprises of course i was expecting a new switch hardware revision but there was not a new switch hardware revision uh, NVIDIA did kind of hype it up a little bit in their uh, investors meeting actually there were they were basically talking about how there was going to be more inventory there was going to be a lot more inventory so I don't really know what happened there I don't really know uh, maybe E3 isn't the best maybe they're going to launch it in say November or uh, 
September to take advantage of holiday sales instead of announcing it now. Because that would essentially kill the Switches, uh, depending on what they announce, of course. But yeah, Nintendo definitely won E3 by far was the best conference. Of course, the main reason why is a lot of people or a lot of companies are preparing for the new console generation to come up. And this is we saw this with uh, the PlayStation 3 when the PS4 was coming out and with the Wii U when the Switch was coming out. People, they're kind of just holding their cards to their hand, you know, holding them to their chest, just making sure that they have enough for the launch. Because... Of course, if you if your console generation is going to be this big, like the, there's a lot of things that are going to be announced that I think this console generation is going to be very very different from the last. Like you'd assume, so the next generation consoles they're probably using Zen two processors, RDNA, but as a lot of people noted, uh, we're going to talk about AMD's conference later, but the next gen consoles. RDNA Zen 2 so Zen 2 is going to release this year but the RDNA GPUs and Ivy GPUs that actually have all the features that Sony and Microsoft are announcing have not been released or are not going to be released this year it's actually a 2020 thing and the CPUs on the consoles if they're actually going for 8 core most likely they're probably getting some sort of deal from AMD by going with underclocked lower bin versions of the 8-core processors, like, uh, I think it was uh, about $350 or something like that, uh, uh, the Ryzen 7, I believe. Yeah, Ryzen 7, so they're probably going with lower bin, uh, lower power chips underclocked most likely if they're going for eight cores rather than going for say laptops maybe they're going for APUs too that could be a thing an eight core APU like the uh, uh, previous but the one thing that's going to make this generation really interesting is now developers have the they can actually use the CPU the consoles won't necessarily be CPU limited and so that could actually play I, I know I kind of neglected on switch but I think this is pretty interesting because the switch already is having issues and I don't think the switch is very powerful it, it frankly it wasn't even powerful back in 2017 it was the Tegra X1 is far updated and Nintendo basically used it for cheapness and because Nvidia kind of failed in the market but now there isn't really an upgraded path, I don't think, for the uh, the Switch. Unless Nintendo is trying to upgrade to the uh, 2017 X2, which was announced. It's funny, they, they announced a new, uh, a new hardware chip and they, they used the old one. But I don't know how Nintendo is going to get any really any of these next generation ports. Because the Switch simply isn't powerful enough. Maybe I could see something interesting happening in which Nintendo partners with Microsoft and has xCloud on their uh, Switch. I could see that happening. And especially considering Banjo got in as uh, a Microsoft representative. So who knows? We could actually see that happening. And that, that could be 
uh, pretty interesting. It could be Nintendo and Microsoft versus Sony. I I don't think Microsoft actually cares about the uh, the specific Xbox versus Switch versus PlayStation. I think they're more focused on becoming the leader in terms of technological space now because they realize they can't really compete. Like if you look at their actual like software deck, right? Like. In terms of exclusive, they have, what, Forza? I, I love Forza, but it, it's certainly not going to be like the defining, hey, you should get an Xbox for the Forza. Because not everyone likes racing games, and there's, of course, there's Project Cars, and there there's, for Motorsport, and there's, uh, for Horizon, there's, uh, uh, what's it, Ubisoft uh, Crew or whatever. And, of course... Uh, PlayStation, there's Gran Turismo, but of course you can always, they can always make a Horizon competitor if they wanted to. But yeah, there's, it's going to be interesting to see this next next generation because it's it's going to be like I don't think it's going to be competitive, and this could be very bad. People haven't really realized how, like, normally the way things have worked, PlayStation and uh, Sony have kind of, Sony and, uh, and Microsoft kind of go back and forth on in terms of leadership, in terms of uh, console generations. And of course it happened to pass with Nintendo and Sega. But now each of the uh, people in the space have kind of caved out their own chunk of the market. Now, sure, there's going to be overlap in Xbox for the first couple of years, but after that, I think Microsoft is going to transition to xCloud. And at that point, we'll have Microsoft focused on the cloud, because if you don't know, if you don't remember, PlayStation actually announced that they were partnering, or Sony announced that they're partnering with uh, Microsoft for xCloud. Sony does not have any proprietary cloud technology that they're willing to use for game streaming outside of PlayStation now, so this could be very interesting. Essentially, each hardware manufacturer, Microsoft has xCloud, uh, Sony has their PlayStation single-player games, and Nintendo has the portable market. So essentially, they're not really competing with each other. In the traditional sense, they all have their own corners in the market. Instead, they're competing with, "Do you want to have my corner of the market? Do you are you are you a portable gamer? Get a Switch. Are you, are you a cloud gamer? Get an Xbox, or get get an X Cloud subscription. Are you a single player gamer? Get a PlayStation." So, this has happened in the past. Like this is essentially how the technology industry works if you think about it right because there isn't really any say for example there isn't really any twitter competitors there isn't really any facebook competitors but there are people that create new technologies like say for example for example snapchat or instagram or so forth and so on that don't necessarily compete in the traditional sense but they do provide new advantages that, like, you wouldn't say, for example, Snapchat and Facebook are identical. But 
they each serve a purpose of being a social media. So in a sense, they don't necessarily have competitors. Each of these applications are monopolies in their own market, but they're all competing for our attention. So it's a very interesting play. Like a lot of people haven't really thought of this, but if, if it pans out in the way that I think it will, we could, we could see a, a console space that more closely mirrors our current technology space. And whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing is, I, I don't really know. Maybe we could see potentially more consoles come in as specific spheres, their own, their own space and trying to vie for our attention, vie for our money in different ways than traditional consoles do. Like maybe that's the key to, you know, entering the space and I honestly don't think Google can compete just because they don't have any history like Google sure they can like sure you can pay developers to port their stuff to Stadia like sure you can do all that but when you don't have exclusives like no one's going to buy your cloud whereas Microsoft has actually invested heavily, and I think they're going to use these exclusives, not necessarily to bump up the new Xbox. They probably don't even care about how many Xbox units they sell anymore. They want to bump up their xCloud. And it's it's insane. Like, this is not how, traditionally, how the uh, console market worked. That's This is not how it worked for the past, you know... Uh, however long, like, 20 years since the NES. It's kind of crazy if you think about it. But yeah, like, that's, that's the main news in terms of consoles. So I'll be back after a quick ad break to talk about AMD and all the other fun stuff. Do you have the loudest shrieking man voice ever known in the history of man do you love todd howard with the fire of a thousand suns well join bethesda's e3 conference sit in the front row and be sure to annoy everyone and anyone that listens to it call 1-800-todd-howard-sucks.com that's 1-800-todd-howard-sucks.com for your chance at this exclusive offer, an exclusive opportunity to work with the one and only Todd Howard. Alright, did you guys enjoy that ad break? I hope you did. Well, let's talk about Bethesda first. Oh god. Bethesda was awful. I don't think I've ever seen... Like, this year's E3 was bland, and that's okay. Like, I was kind of... I wanted, I hoped for something better, but unfortunately the PS5 is coming out, Xbox uh, 2 or whatever is coming out, so people are kind of holding their cards close to their hands, they're, they're kind of, they're not really showing too much, they're, they're definitely not, but Bethesda, so for those of you who don't know, uh, the, first of all, Fallout 76, that game was an atrocious disaster, 
and Bethesda tried to apologize with it at like they tried so hard they like, they at least admitted that, that it was bad but now it got even worse it has a battle royale mode for those of you who didn't think there was enough battle royales on the market you can now play another one only instead it'll bug you out and it'll uh, glitch you the first place out of uh, 55 people or however many it was. It, that conference was, honestly, it was one of the worst I've seen at, at that E3. I don't think it's the worst of all time, definitely not, but it was definitely one of the worst. There, the only thing that saved it from being, like, the worst is Doom, and that's just because Doom is Doom. Like, they could have shown us anything. Like, we all know that Doom Eternal is going to be good. Probably going to be great. But everything else, they rebooted Commander Keen, out of all things. <laughs> what? As a mobile game, and it looked terrible. There was a lot of mobile. There was too much mobile at Bethesda, and I think they're trying to, you know, get a, a cash out. They, they have to appeal to investors. You know, I, I understand. I understand. They didn't show any... Uh, new Elder Scrolls uh, information from what I from what I saw they, they only showed Elder Scrolls online they're probably saving that for next E3 for the next gen consoles I'd imagine I'd hope it was just there were, the worst part about it, like this was a mediocre this wasn't even mediocre this this was like a D minus conference D minus and the crowd was just going nuts over what I don't think I've ever seen, like, look, Apple conferences are pretty bad, like, but even at Apple, when Apple announced a $999 uh, monitor stand, people, like, audibly gasped, they're like, this is a terrible idea, they knew, but <laughs> at, at Bethesda, people were, like, losing their minds over mobile games that look like garbage like i love mobile games mobile games can be amazing but the commander king game looked like straight up out of 2000 like 2005 like doodle jump if you remember they look like doodle jump it looked terrible it was like that conference was just it was so bad I think I think just the worst thing was just how like how the the audience was like what do they have like a gun pointed to their head they get paid for it there's this one guy that was just screeching like wow hey like <laughs> come on look I get if you're excited about a game or something, something really cool, but the people watching E3 don't need to hear your drunken screeches whenever Todd Howard gets on the stage. Like, I can barely remember what Bethesda actually announced. Like, there wasn't really too much. Oh yeah, that Ghostwire game was pretty cool. Like that, that uh, one woman, pretty cool. 
Doom Eternal, yeah, Fallout 76. You can try it for free. It, it might be potentially free to play, as it should have been. If you bought this game for $60, you got screwed. Absolutely screwed. Yeah, 52 players. And there's a Elder Scrolls Blade. The mobile game is coming out for Switch for some reason. Rage 2 is getting a new expansion, and there's something about game streaming. So there was no, there was no, uh, Starfield information. There's no, like, Elder Scrolls 6 information. And they were desperately trying to get people excited for this, and I, how much alcohol did these guys have? Like, what, are they just getting plastered, like... I don't understand that like I don't think this was the worst conference I've ever seen but this was up there like look Doom Eternal is a good game but not even th that could like save it from a D minus like Doom Eternal like everyone's excited about it. it's a great game but if even that, like, if Doom Eternal was not there, I think it would have been an F. I, I personally think it would have been an F conference. There was nothing of note. Everything looked pretty bad. There was a lot of just random stuff. Look, it looked cool, but it's not what people wanted. Definitely not what people wanted. So, yeah, that... It was, it was horrible. But those of you who watched it live like I did, uh, hats off to you. Let's see. Alright, AMD. So speaking of disappointment, let's talk about AMD. Uh, I was so happy. I, I wanted this to be good. I. It wasn't. It wasn't. Like... I love AMD, look, I, I love AMD, I love what they're doing with Ryzen, Zen 2 is amazing, but, like, so, the one new CPU thing they announced was, like, 16-core CPU, $750, this is 4.7 gigahertz, could potentially overclock to 5, maybe. This blows Intel out of the water, they're already, like, done, this is just a death blow. But their GPUs, oh god. So they announced two GPUs. The uh let me get the specific model numbers here. So there's the RX uh fifty seven hundred XT and the RX fifty seven hundred. So the fifty seven hundred XT is the seven nanometer GPU competing with the twenty seventy and the fifty seven hundred is the 7 nanometer GPU competing with the RTX 2060. That's roughly 1080 and 1080 Ti. For those of you who uh, don't really know too much about the RTX GPUs. So, top of line GPU in Navi is $449 and the 5700 is $379. So, the RTX 2070 is $499 and the 2060 is $349. 
So you're getting roughly 50 to 30 dollars saved for what? Like it's slightly faster maybe but it's it's not that good. Like Nvidia has announced like there's a whole super thing a lot of people know. It's essentially a slight slight upgrade to the current RTX cards. And so the uh, current RTX cards might get a discount. If that's the case, Navi is dead in the water. Look, even if the RTX 2060 can barely do RTX, it doesn't matter. It's marketing. People associate NVIDIA with gaming performance. And I've said this before. It's You need to have a Halo product, right? And that's the uh, 2080 Ti. The Titan like even if people can't afford it even if it's the most expensive thing ever having a halo product trickles down and look people have always assumed that AMD was the cheapest one like the cheap you get in the cheap uh, thing that'll maybe match in performance and it kind of is but they've also adopted the trend of having one of the worst GPU prices of all time. And I think a, a, this actually might draw people to consoles. Just because it's not really that much value if you think about it. And the consoles are probably going to come out with maybe 2060 performance. So 1080, maybe. Like they want to try and get to 4K and 120Hz. Of course, 120FPS. Of course, it's probably not going to happen. Maybe 1080p 120 could happen. I could see that being realistic because most people do have 1080p stuff, 1080p monitors, 1080p TVs, average person does. So potentially 1080 or 2060 roughly performance for a console. That's going to be around 400 to $500. Yeah. If that's the case, GPUs are not worth it. Like, the GPU market has kind of gone off the rails for no reason whatsoever. Just because NVIDIA can. And NVIDIA will absolutely destroy AMD with these prices. And we all know the reason, right? Like, AMD has gotten a lot of investors in recent years. AMD stock price has gone up massively. For those of you who've invested in AMD, uh, I remember when AMD was at like what five dollars, like two dollars. These people are just mad about FX eight three five zero. Like, look, FX eight three five zero, like that bulldozer wasn't actually that bad. I have one. It's sure it's super hot, super loud, but it still provides great performance. And it got eight cores back in the day for a cheap price. It wasn't that bad, but. AMD has investors now, and unfortunately, investors are just haranguing them about getting better profit margins, especially on GPUs. So, I don't think that these cards will be that great of value, and I think AMD needs to learn a little bit of a lesson. Like, RTX 2070, look, you can get it for lower bin cards, you can get for a little bit cheaper than 499 like, you can get them for a little bit cheaper than 379 or uh, 399 
So, there, there really isn't much reason to buy these new Navi cards. I um, think, especially considering the new consoles that are coming out in uh, 2020, and potentially the new cards that are coming out in 2020, which may actually provide hardware-based ray tracing, which could be interesting to see, because the next-generation consoles do support it. So maybe in 2021, actually, we could see hardware-based ray tracing in uh, Navi 2 or whatever they want to call it. So that would just be a massive slap in the face to anyone who actually buys these cards. Like, these cards are probably the least worth it out of all of uh, AMD's releases, I think. And I know Fine Wine and all that is true. Like, for those of you who don't know, Fine Wine is, like, the idea that AMD's cards kind of get better over time. It does happen. It's happened with every single release before. NVIDIA's cards normally get slower after time. AMD's cards normally get faster. That's also because of VRAM in general. Like... The VRAM requirements for many games have actually been going up. And of course, if you buy, say, a 6GB card now, it'll be good enough, but five years down the line, it might not, it'll run out of memory. Whereas if you buy an 8GB card, which AMD normally goes for, especially in the mid range, like if you go for an 8GB card or a 16GB card in terms of VRAM, in terms of uh, GPU, then you'll be well suited for the future and that's one of the key benefits of AMD like the key informal benefits so then let's talk about formal so if you do buy the Navi cards I think one of the best things there's something called anti-lag it's it's really weird the idea that you can somehow reduce lag just through software I I think it's kind of, a, it might be a sham, I don't know, of course AMD did show some impressive results at their E3 conference, I think it was about like two frames less, so for a lot of people, you know, a couple frames here and there isn't really going to matter, but for competitive people, two frames is an insane advantage, just for having a different GPU. So this could be huge in the future if, and of course a lot of people on the, uh, like, have been, who have been discussing this, they've actually said that this isn't necessarily hardware, so it could be software and it could be baked into any uh, GCN-based product, so that means everything but Vega and uh, Radeon 7, I believe. Potentially, and maybe even potentially port it over to those too. So that could be a huge advantage for esports people who want the like the least laggy experience. That's probably the major advent, the major thing that they announced in terms of uh, real features. But of course, there's probably going to be more. There's another thing like I forgot what it's called, but it essentially allowed you to have like also anti lag is with zero performance. Uh, degradation according to AMD of course you know you can't really believe uh, AMD you definitely shouldn't believe the people that present on E3 in terms of actual specifications but I I think it probably will provide maybe a couple frames maybe maybe one or two FPS 
And the other thing they announced was a better imaging, better image quality overall in terms of games. It was a slight difference. It's similar to, uh, I believe it was uh, NVIDIA's DLSS, if I'm not mistaken. So that could be a key feature too. So I think AMD, oh yeah, one more thing. The final thing on AMD, they announced that the new like overall uh, gaming performance of these Zen 2 chips, and that was actually pretty interesting. Because they actually beat their, they beat or get close to their Intel competitors. And this was before the security mitigations and all of that. For those of you who don't know, Intel has a history of ignoring security for performance, and it shows in the long run. And AMD has actually been more supported by, uh, by Windows, actually. The latest update, if you're on Ryzen or uh, Zen or etc., then definitely be sure to update your Windows if you're a Windows user because they fixed some scheduling issue that actually causes you to gain better performance and less input lag overall or less uh, stutter actually less stutter overall so it's definitely a good benefit to AMD I think we're going to start seeing this more especially in terms of Ryzen as Ryzen becomes more and more you know prolific in terms of the desktop space unfortunately in terms of laptop space AMD isn't doing that great but I think they're slowly starting to rise up, and I think the especially Zen 2, Zen 2 and laptops is going to be something that could potentially be huge because of the actual performance overall, Navi GPUs, and also power consumption, which I believe is a little bit better than Intel in terms of efficiency, in terms of performance. The only thing they really need to fix is their I.O. performance, which has kind of been an issue for them for a while. But once they do that, they'll probably achieve parity or if not, like greater performance than Intel. So it's definitely something to watch out for. All right, so that's been pretty much all I can say about E3. There isn't going to be a tech takedown. I don't know if I necessarily want to do that sort of thing on this podcast. I think I'm going to switch it up and make it a separate thing like a separate more researched more nuanced thing and i don't think i'm going to actually put in the sources in the description for this but you can definitely call me out if you want to i don't think you will though if anyone's actually watching this or listening to this or wherever you are well anyway it's been nice and uh, i'll see you next week